good morning in English, and I know it in German. Guten Morgen. Anybody know good morning in any other language? Go on, do you want to shout it out? Superheg. Superheg. Buenos dias. Nigerian. Fantastic. Bonjour. Any other languages? Bonjour. Calamera. What's that? Welsh. So it is a good morning. If you hadn't gathered, it is a new morning. And I'd like to talk to you about a new morning for heavenly people. Good morning. Um, I'd like to turn to the very beginning, Genesis 1. We're going to look at the first five verses of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. God made the heavens and the earth. So he made everything in the heavens, the angels, the culture, everything that's up there and the earth, somewhere to live. It shows his heart that he wanted us to be with him for eternity. And he made the earth. And he made morning and evening. But it's interesting how he didn't make morning and evening. He made evening and morning. It's not a balance of morning and evening. He makes a rhythm of evening and morning. And it's interesting how the night comes first. You can't have a morning without the evening. And at night time, there's things that happen with our bodies that can't happen any other time of the day. So at night time, we shut ourselves in, we disengage from the world, we separate ourselves from the surrounding, our breathing slows down, our temperature slows down, we repair our tissues, we restore our energy, our immune system's restored. It's when dreams occur, when new thoughts occur as we drift off It's a time of nothing else can happen like that in the nighttime when we're asleep. And our spiritual night that we've been through may have felt dark and cold at times, but God has done some really necessary things in us. He separated us from our surroundings and taken people away from things that they lean on, things that you trusted in. might be people, might be places, might be things, might even be jobs. He's taken them away from you, so your focus has been fully on him. He slowed us down and taught us about rhythms and Sabbath. He's taken us to a quiet place where we've learned about emotional health and a different culture, a place of listening. He's repaired things in our hearts, places where we've been hurt. And he's had time to address and heal them. He's had space, we've had space to disengage and reassess and look from a different place and find dreams And beginning to reignite visions again. Because the morning is coming. 
The day is dawning. Life is awakening and the birds are singing. When my kids were small and I needed just some space on my own, morning would be a very precious time for me. I'd get up at quarter to six every morning, take the dog for a walk, spend some time with God. But I love mornings, the dew on the ground, the freshness of the air, the sun rising up, the expectation of the day, the freshness of the day. There's never been a day like the day that you've just had in a new morning. You've got a whole day ahead. But it does also bring challenges. It brings getting out of bed waking up it brings face in the day and the responsibilities ahead it brings turning dreams into reality and the outworking of purpose and the energy needed a new morning now new morning that we're in is a process it doesn't just happen morning the sun doesn't just pop up it comes up slowly and there's a process that we go through now in the spiritual realm i think it's kind of between six and seven So some of you are early mornings and you're up already. Some of you are fast asleep and struggling to wake up. Some of you have had children bounce on you, dogs bounce on you. You really want to go back to bed, but you're having to wake up. Um, And some of you are up and singing. We all do morning differently, but there is a transformation from the night to the morning we have to go through. Just as a butterfly when it's in a cocoon, in a dark place, changes and transforms But it doesn't just pop out and fly away. As it comes out the cocoon, its wings fill with blood. And it takes hours for the wings to fill with blood. And it actually takes a whole day for a butterfly's wings to harden. And it's very vulnerable at that point. But it has to go through that transformation before it can um, explore its culture in a whole different way. A transformation of the night. So, what do we do in the morning? Let's have a look. I thought I'd make it easy. Right. First thing we do is we wake up. So there's a verse in Isaiah 52 that says, Awake, awake, O Zion. It's changing our spiritual status from being lethargic and comfy and asleep to being awake. There's that grogginess that you have to rub out your eyes, being raring to go, reorientating ourselves into a new day, a new time, a new space, a new culture we're having to reorientate ourselves into, where now women are powerful and can lead where we're authentic and and our relationships are are good. Um, A whole different way of being. We've got to reorientate ourselves and wake up. The next thing we do, my next thing I do, is I go to the WC and I wash. That helps me wake up. When you sleep, toxins build up in your body. All that repair, um, build up toxins on the inside and the outside. And just as we've gone through this nighttime and darkness... Things have happened in our lives that have built almost toxins up in us. So we might have been hurt, disappointed. We might have had relationships that have been a bit tricky. We might have gone through things that God's brought up in ourselves and we've we've had to deal with them. But we've got the residue of them on us. Toxins. We need to go to WC and we need to wash. We need to get rid of those. You can't start a new morning carrying the toxins from the past. You have to have a good morning. You have to have a good night. The night was good, but we need to leave it there. We need to have a good separation from the night and leave it behind. And God talked to me through um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality about grieving well. As we go through life, there are things that we leave behind. Life does move on, whether we like it or not. 
We have to leave our youth behind if you're as old as I am. You can't bring it with you. That's a grievance. We have to move house and leave that. Sometimes we change jobs. Our children leave home. That's grieving. So grieving can be for things that just happen in daily life. And at this moment, we, as morning begins, we need to grieve well for the night, but then move on. But let yourself grieve. There might be disappointments and hurts in there. Let yourself grieve and then move on. Um, wardrobe. After you've had a wash, go to your wardrobe. There's a different... You don't go out to work in your pyjamas unless you're called Linda. Okay? <laughs> Dear, you generally don't go out shopping in your slippers. You get changed. Your night attire is not suitable for the daytime. Your night attire is for comfiness, coziness, c- shutting down, being all ooh like that with your pillows. Your morning, you change because you're ready for action, ready to do something. And the verse that we just read, that I just said in Isaiah 52, it says, Awake, awake, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. It's time to wake up and clothe yourself with strength again. It's time to wake up and put on love again. And it's a process. You might feel still groggy right now, but put love and strength back on again. It is in your wardrobe. God has gifted it to you. The next one is workouts that bring on well, bringing well-being. Now, workouts are habits we do over and over again to bring well-being to us. So it can be brushing your teeth, brushing your hair, drinking water, exercise. Those things that we do on a regular basis, we know are good for us. They say that well-being isn't just having a bath with candles. It's doing good habits in our lives that daily keep us well. Our our hearts well, our minds well, our bodies well. And we have to do this with the spirit too. There's no good in exercising your body, being really healthy, if your spirit's tired and weak and worn out. So there's loads of things that you can do. And Philippians say, work out your salvation. Work it out. You have to get up and and do some work now it's morning. Um, So the spiritual health, read your word. Study the word, meditate on the word, pray, contemplate, worship, sing. Some of these don't sound like work to me. But making space, as Dan prophesied last week, doesn't just mean that as we go through life, we find spare moments to make space in. No, we take those things that we find really important and we make them the center of our day. And we plan our rest of our day around that. Even eating and things like that, they go round our spiritual practice and our spiritual exercise and our spiritual health. And if you're looking for things to do in this morning, read Acts, like Trevor suggested already. Do a Bible study on the word morning in the Bible. You'll be surprised how many times it pops up and what happens early in the morning. Read a book on prayer and fasting. Go online and find something. There's plenty to do, but find some Make some space and put spiritual health back into back well back in if it's I know it slips from time to time, doesn't it? It does for me. Um, wanting food. So breakfast. Mm. I like Winnie the Pooh's version of this. When you wake up in the morning, Pooh, said Piglet, what's the first thing you say to yourself? What's for breakfast? said Pooh. What do you say, Piglet? I say, I wonder what's going to happen exciting today, said Piglet. Pooh nodded thoughtfully. 
It's the same thing, he said. (laughs) When you wake up, you're hungry. You need something more. That snack you had, that Dorito dip you had in the evening has not sustained you. You need to fill yourself up again. It's time to get hungry. Do you remember that first time you met God and you were so hungry for his presence and you would stay awake praying? You would get up early in the morning to pray. It's time to be hungry. It's time to allow yourself to to call on the heavens. It's time to allow yourself just to delight in God's presence again. Stir up that hunger for your word, for his word and hunger because it says, God says, come, all of those of you are hungry, but you need to stir the hunger up first. If you've never met God, have never known, you've been hungry for something in your life, but you don't know what that is, it's Jesus. So if you want to talk to somebody this morning about how you can be filled and how you can have that change in life, please do. Right, the next one is window. After I've eaten, the last thing I do in the morning is open the curtain, see what the weather's like. Looking through the window. The nighttime causes us to close our curtains, to make our sight focused on the world and our families. But it's time to open the curtains and see the world again, to stretch out our visions, to look at the horizon and prepare to open your doors. It says in Genesis 22 verse 1 to 3, it's all about the story of Abraham. And funnily enough, it's early in the morning. Early in the morning, God calls Abraham and says, Go and take your son Isaac and take him up this mountain and sacrifice him. And after Abraham does, God says to him and says, I'm going to make a covenant to you and to your family and to your nation and to all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. All the families on earth. It's time to open our curtains and see all the families on the earth, not just our own family. And clean our nets and be ready for the family to come in. Making Love of God real in the real world. Caring for the lonely, loving the stranger, giving to the poor, taking away the shame of those that are in a mess. It's time to open the curtains and open the doors. So we've looked at evening and morning. We know what to do in the morning and we can look at those in our own lives. And I'd ask you to pray over those in your own lives and apply it. Don't just listen to me now. Go back and think, how does that apply to my life? What do I need to do as it's morning? What process do I need to go through personally? The next bit I'd like to look at is heaven and earth. God created the heavens and the earth, or the heaven and earth, as Charles found the, uh, one of the versions said when we looked at it in Connect. Thank you, Charles. King James, the heaven. He created the angels. He created everything. When you open the curtains in the morning... What do you see? Do you see just earth or do you see heaven and earth? God, all the way through the Bible from Abraham to Peter, right to the back of Revelation, is trying to direct our eyesight to heaven. What do you see? Do you see stars or do you see heaven? Do you see a day ahead or do you see God working in his kingdom? The morning explodes in beauty, reveals an explosion of life. And the same thing happens in the heavens. We find on Luke 24, verse 1, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, not even early in the morning, this is very early in the morning, 
The women took the spices they'd prepared and went to the tomb. This is Mary and her friends. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Mary went to see that Jesus had risen. The kingdom of God is revealed. There's revelation early in the morning. This morning has exploded in the good news that Jesus has risen, that Jesus is alive, that death has been defeated. What do you see in the morning? Do you see troubles, things that cause you to sigh, or do you see possibilities and potential? I love this bit um, in Mark. Jesus is um, asked by his disciples to heal a deaf man. And Jesus goes up to the deaf man and he sticks his fingers in his ears, which I think is really funny anyway. And it says in Mark, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephephatha, which means open. And I read this and I thought, in a lot of translations, they put ears be opened. I think that's not what this means. He looks up to heaven and sighs and he says, open. And I think he's partly talking to the ears, but he's actually looking up to heaven and saying, be open. Be open. And I think he's also talking to the people around him and he's saying, be open. Open your eyes. See what's happening. Ephephath. How do you say it? Yeah, it's a really good word to try and say first thing in the morning. Um, be open. So what do you see? Do you look up to heaven and you say, this morning, heavens reveal yourself to me. Be open. Be open to me so I can see. We, next thing I'd like to say about heavens is we are aliens. Heaven is actually our home and the earth is not our home. We don't belong here. And yet sometimes we feel we belong here and we set up a shop here and we set up our homes and our extensions and our houses and our driveways and make ourselves comfortable, but the morning makes us look out and say, well, actually, this isn't our home. We are aliens. I'd like us to turn to 1 Peter 2, please. I'm going to read it from the voice. 1 Peter 2, verse 10. Hmm? Yeah, no, this isn't. I've got it here. I'm just doing that so I know how long it takes to turn to it. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received it. Beloved, remember, you don't belong in this world. You are resident aliens, living in exile. So resist the desires of the flesh that battle against the soul. Live honorably among the outsiders so that when they see your good works, they might give glory to God. One thing I think sleep does is it reminds us that we are dust. I'll explain why. When Jesus was asked by Jairus to heal his daughter, he went in and his daughter had already died. And yet he goes to the daughter who's dead and says, it's okay, she's just sleeping. So sleep and death are very, very hand in hand. There's a a time of, of, of rest. And I think... Sleeping reminds us of that we're of that we're dust. From dust we came, and to dust we will return. We all live in a case of dust. 
Now, our dust case is very demanding. It is like a teenager or a toddler. And when we wake up in the morning, it wants to be fed. It doesn't want to get out of bed. It doesn't want to exercise. It wants to do what it wants to do, and it wants to be pleasured. So any pleasure that you can think of, um, alcohol, sex, drugs, all these things, your body is the thing that it wants because it wants all the exciting things in life. Your body will never grow into adulthood. It will always be a teenager. It makes a rubbish master. Rubbish master. And yet sometimes we let it. Um, And it's up to us to tame our flesh. Our flesh life, our carnal life. We have to tame this dust. This ball of dust that surrounds our heart and our spirit needs taming. Or it will run away with us. We will get addicted to things. We will get addicted to Netflix series and staying in bed. We will get addicted to food or all sorts of even, even hard things. Pornography on, on our internet. All sorts of things we get addicted to to pleasure our minds and our bodies. Because it, it's, it's demanding. And it, and it nags. And it has tantrums. And if you don't give it what it wants, it tantrums. If you don't eat for a day, it tantrums at you. And yet we can tame it. We don't have to let it take over. Um, It says in Romans, it says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And fasting is a way to tame your dust ball, your teenage dust ball. You're taking away what it wants and saying, actually, I am master of you. You are not master of me. I remember talking to Richard Annis recently when he was on his last fast and he was cooking tea for his children and he was fasting I don't know how many days it was I said and he said as he was stirring it he kept lifting the spoon up to his nose and sniffing it and he was really hungry by that point and he kept saying to his body ah ha ha smells nice doesn't it you're not having any because I am master over you and I'm telling you you're not eating today I thought, wow, interesting. It made me laugh the way you said it as well. But we sometimes, as soon as our body, we, we, we fast for a day, we get dizzy, we get hungry, we get tired. Our body's tantruming at us. We think, oh, I need to eat. No. Stir your spirit. Let your spirit overcome that because your body is trying to distract you. Um, so allow yourself to fast. It's good. It's not harmful. They've actually found that to fast for a day is actually really good for your body. And yet your body will tell you it's dying. Obviously, if you're frail or ill or too young or too old, you need to ask your doctor first. But for the rest of us, fasting's healthy. It won't harm you. It might make you feel, like I said, dizzy, grumpy. That's another one. Low, even cold. But your body is just having a tantrum. But your spirit is fighting to get out. Your spirit wants the attention. Your spirit wants to be the master. Your spirit wants to rule your life so it can set you free into things you've never experienced before. All those things that the disciples, Jesus said to the disciples, only by prayer and fasting then these come out. They hadn't experienced things powerful in the spirit because they hadn't prayed and fasted. And it's like us. If we pray and fast, there's things you've never seen or seen in your dreams will start to happen because your spirit will become more powerful than anything else in your life. Your spirit will have freedom and authority in a way that you've never experienced before. Um, 
Yeah, I can't wait. I'm excited, although I'm not looking forward to being hungry. Um, so next one is, where are your treasures? It says in Matthew 6, verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are your treasures? What do you talk about all the time? What do you spend your time on? Is it your phone? Is it Facebook, friends, food? Um, labels, what people are going to think of you? What do you spend your time on that gives you pleasure, that is a treasure to you, that if someone took it away from you? Because I think in the night God's been dealing with some of those things in our lives. God wants you to have treasure in a completely different place. So that actually what you seem to be doing seems foolish to mankind. If you're not foolish to to your neighbors in the way you prioritize your life, try and jiggle it up a little bit because something might be out of kilter. You might be looking a little bit too much like them and be liking the earth. Galatians 5 says, The acts of the flesh, your dust ball, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, goes on forever. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. But I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. It says if you crucify your passion desires, those things that we need in order to transform our communities, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness and faithfulness, those things then come to the forefront. Those are the things that we treasure. Those are the things that we run after. Those are the things that you cannot measure, so it's hard. You can measure how much money you've got or how big your car is. You can't measure love, joy, and peace. You can't see it, but you you can see it. And that's what our communities need. That's what your workplace needs. That's what your neighbors need. The fruit that you bear is not for yourself, it's for others. Those are your treasure. Those are the things we run after. Those are the things that we're to provoke in each other. Um, What are you treasuring? The last one is world wakers and gate shakers. Not only are we waking up, but we're waking the world to see the kingdom of heaven. Opening gates for people to see and enter the fullness of God's love. His kingdom. Open the gates into your homes. Opening the gates into people's hearts. Breaking down barriers of injustice and equality. Breaking down the margin, barriers for the marginalized and the poor. Breaking down gates of shamelessness and loneliness. And we do this on our own in our workplaces, like Linda explained in a fantastic way. How you can do it on your own, and we do it together. So on your own... There's benefits. 
you're on your own nearly all the time, aren't you? I mean, even when you're with people, you're still on your own. Um, but you can do that all the time, wherever you walk, down your streets, in the shops, in your workplace. You can bring and open gates into people's hearts. You can open, you can bring heaven down, you can see heaven working, you can pray for people. You, you've got chance to be more deep, you've got chance to be freer, spontaneous, more intimate. But there's also benefits of doing it together, either in your family hubs, down here at the Jubilee Centre, at Talk Through and Aspire, where you're together so you've got different giftings. So someone walks through the door and you might not have a grace for that person, but somebody else has and somebody else can go in and step in and do something. um, The benefits are that there's a group of you all supporting and encouraging each other when you get tired. The benefits are um, people see as a light on a hill and they can see when you're on your own, when I'm walking through Sainsbury's, nobody knows the presence of God there except me. But when we're here, people actually look in and say, something different's there. It's a, it's, a, it's a light on a hill. So there's benefits of doing it on your own and together. But it is time to see and reveal ourselves in the world, to open those windows, to be world wakers, to be gate shakers. And it takes energy and it takes passion, but it's going to come from inside you. I'd like to... Um, Read a, something that just fell out this week in my room. It's kind of a prophecy that somebody mixed between Charlene. I wrote, let me tell you, I drew a picture of this and I wrote what I was drawing, and it's two prophecies together. And it fell out, and I thought, wow, this is exactly part of what God is saying today. It starts out open eyed and ready. Charlene Novick had a dream, she's probably even forgotten about it, in which she was speaking to a wall that had two eyes closed in it. As she shouted and spoke, the eyes gradually opened up and looked. It reminded me of a picture Marcus Frost had while standing on Longwood Edge. As he stood there looking out into the valley of houses, the sun rose and the windows all shone in the houses like they were waking up. They looked as if they were facing him with eyes ready open to hear what he had to say. The whole of creation is waiting for the sons of glory to be displayed. And the sons of glory in this picture, the picture has put his robes on and shown himself for who he is, clothing yourself in strength and love. The houses, the people in Huddersfield are ready and awake or waking up. They are waiting for the message that we have to bring. The message isn't just words, but it's lives of glory. This is what the day will bring. We're working through the morning. But it's exciting times, so exciting. So what I want to do to finish, I'm going to read over a passage. We're going to stand up. And I'm going to read a passage over you. And it's going to be a call to wake up. I hope you haven't fallen asleep. Um, And then I'm going to ask, I felt very strongly to pray for two types of people. Those people who through the night, this night period, have got things to grieve still, to cut off and to let go in order to move on well. Good grieving might be disappointments, might be hurts, might be other things, might be things that you found in yourself that you need to let go, might be things that God's taken away from you and you're still upset about them. It's a good grieving prayer. 
And the other one I'd like to pray for is people who aren't sleeping, whose, whose sleep's been stolen right now. You don't have a good morning because you don't have a good night. I'd like to pray for you. And for those of the rest of us, in this season, while we're putting good habits in, I'd like to encourage you to have a good night routine. Don't go on your phones late at night. I sound like mum now. Don't go to bed too late. Turn the telly off. Read. Have a drink of water. Make sure you have a good night routine. It's really vital that we sleep well at the minute because God is doing new things and we will need the energy. So if you would all like to stand up if you're able. I'm just going to give you a few minutes just to to concentrate on heaven. Open your eyes and open your hearts. Just perhaps let God speak to anything that immediately he's asking you to do or deal with. Father God, we thank you for this morning. Sometimes it can be intimidating and hard to wake up knowing that we have purpose ahead of us and things that you are calling us to do. But we are excited at the same time that we can be world changers, that we can go into our communities and those around us and bring your kingdom and see lives changed. Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness is as black as night and it covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to your radiance. So wake up. Wake up, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem. Frank, clean and godless people will enter your gates no longer. Rise up from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in a place of honour. Remove the chains of slavery from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For this is what the Lord says. When I sold you into exile, I received no payment, but now I redeem you. Wake up. Remove your chains. It's a new morning.